Welcome to the Strategic Boardroom, insights from thought leaders, where we speak to experts in organizational leadership, human capital management, and business strategy. We hope you enjoy this episode brought to you by Bullseye Engagement, a leading provider of cloud-based employee development and strategic business software solutions. This is part two of our conversation with Sony Bossi. If you haven't listened to episode one, we do recommend you go back and listen to that first, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Does workforce planning add value to an organization during this time of transition and new normal? Um, Yes, so workforce planning uh, always adds value to an organization. You know, so many of my peers in the talent space have been charged with or challenged with layoffs, furloughs, you know, con- you know, con- con- sorry, continuing to consider reductions in force or realignments with the business, given um, the economic situation that we've all been in this year. And given all of that, workforce planning is probably more important now than ever, right? So you have to consider when are you going to bring people back in? How, how many people will you need? What kind of skills do you need now? In the entertainment industry, for example, hospitals, everyone's agendas have changed so much. And so workforce planning, in short, is really critical right now. What I will say is I'm not sure if a lot of our, if a, if a lot of our companies are doing workforce planning really well yet. So tools to help with workforce planning um, and how to do that well, how to really go about understanding what the future of work will be is important, right? So anything we can do to, to help one another out is important. But in, in overall terms, your build strategy, your buy strategy, your borrow strategy, your skills development strategy for any organization, when are you going to bring people back in? What's the timing of it? It's so critical. <clears throat> and it's, it's what you use your data for at the end of the day. So if you've got your workforce planning right, then it's connected to your business strategy. So it's part of your performance management and your goal setting the alignment to the organizational goals. <laughs> Excuse me. And it is related to the data that you're then showcasing at all of your meetings right? Your workforce plan is exactly what it's called. It's your plan for your entire organization. And even if you can, as a starting point, have it for the company or have it for a particular part of your business, you're steps ahead as an HR leader to be able to help the organization through any ups and downs because you've got that plan in place. Currently, if you look around uh, the adjustments that are going on and globally, almost in every space, uh, you know, workforce planning uh, intuitive tool would be so amazing to have for HR professionals. And uh, just I would like uh, Raquel to have probably 30 seconds. Raquel, what, what are we doing about it? Okay, sure. So, yeah, so bullseye engagement. Uh, we've just released our workforce planning tool, which is basically modeling, right? Looking at your current org chart, uh, putting together the what if scenarios, if you're going to do some restructuring, 
if you need to do some decrease, if you need to add people. Uh, so not only does it look at the people and the headcount and you know how you can move those positions again for the build, borrow and buy uh, scenario, but it also captures that financial aspect of it as well. So as you're flexing up, flexing down, flexing around, <laughs> um, you'll be able to look at that uh, with, with the different modeling tools that we have within workforce planning. Um, I do actually, Sony, have a, a question for you in regards to that. So as a seasoned, you know, HR leader, you know, a, a lot of these HR leaders are very versed and familiar with workforce planning, right? Um, it's kind of, it, you know, in some organizations, you know, they do it quite well, but it probably in more, more of them, not quite so well. So how does a seasoned HR uh, professional and leader, you know, get the, get the rest of the leadership team to buy in and kind of look at it from a different lens when they're doing their workforce planning? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my my answer always in things when you have to start to build, uh, you know, build influence in an organization and build capability is to start small. And so identifying where there are pain points in the organization. So where have you, for example, been really losing talent in the past? Uh, or where have you had a lot of org redesigns in the past? Uh, and start there uh, by showcasing how you can use either a tool or a more of an, um, a hands-on approach to solving for those needs and introducing that discipline, bringing it up on a regular basis. Like, okay, we, we agreed, you know, here's the workforce plan. Here's some of the, the areas that we've been looking at. And then you start to build on that year over year. So sometimes it's not a full implementation in year one. You have to always as an HR professional know where you're going to be able to get, you know, a core group of people to listen and follow along on your journey and then start to build on that year over year. So they start small, know where your pain points are with workforce planning and go after that first, show the data, start building that discipline. And then over time, you'll start to get, you know, that will become more and more of the language. And it's okay if somebody else comes up with the ideas, right? You want to a deal's point earlier, like you want other people to say, let's move this machine five or six feet that way. And that is building your case. So you don't have to, you know, I, I personally will say egos aside on anything. If I can get my leaders to say, why don't we do more of this? I'm like, absolutely. What a great idea. Right. And that's, that's kind of leading the witness <laughs> to some extent as well. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Kelly, uh, any follow-up question in this, uh, this category? Because if you don't, I have one. No, I don't. Those are all of my <laughs> questions, actually. Okay. Uh, just, uh, you know, as we're getting towards the end of our time here, uh, in, in your experience, and, and, and you do have uh, amazing experience, you know, in some of the organizations that you have worked with, and uh, your contribution to those organizations is amazing. Uh, what what uh, do you think in, in your experience that a culture where DNI is present and present mm-hmm. in a uh, more, uh, I would say, 
with leadership's awareness. And it's, it's present intentionally, not by the way. Uh, how does that impact culture and how that, you know, in your experience, uh, the impact of DNI on different aspects of the organization, productivity, you know, retention, uh, customer uh, happiness index in, in, in those organizations, just some, you know. Yeah, so um, using just a quick analogy, ideal to your question, I've been I've been thinking about this quite a bit recently, and it's the it's the chicken and the egg, right? It's it's one of our oldest analogies, I would say, that we we come to. But what came first, uh, the chicken or the egg? And and I think that's uh, I've been wrestling with that as it relates to diversity and inclusion, because to your point. Is it that the inclusive culture and the inclusive work environment is inviting of diversity into the organization? Or did the diversity intentionally, as you said, you know, the intentional diversity within an organization uh, lead about to an inclusive culture? And I don't know if I have the answer to, to that question. I think it's a, it's a big question, but there is going to be at some point where the, where the two cross, right? And there's that happy medium. It's the research around diversity and having a population of individuals who represent your customer base, uh, who represent, you know, the um, clients that you're serving, you know, whoever your patients, et cetera. The research on the impact that that diversity within an organization can have is so substantial that you cannot ignore it. Like the the ability to provide new ideas, provide for conversations among individuals who are like-minded or may have a greater understanding of the customer base or the um, issues or challenges that they're dealing with is really substantial. To your point, that can't happen unless inclusion is there. Because if, I, if I'm coming into an organization and I'm really you know, diverse and I have a lot to offer, but my opinions are not valued or my voice is one that is quietened for whatever reason, whether it's perceived or it's real, and that, that, is, a, that is an issue in and of itself, if it's perceived or real, then um, then the productivity numbers, the happiness numbers, the customer satisfaction numbers, right? Uh, in retail, it's it's your your sales numbers. In, in hospitals, it's your patient satisfaction numbers. All of those start to fail. So you have to be able to not only have that diversity, but that inclusive environment for the co- company. It goes hand in hand. But when you have it, every company that's studied that is higher on those two elements is outperforming others in their field, right? It's, it's clear connection between the two. Is that, does that help? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's exactly what, you know, it's coming from you, obviously it's uh, so you, so you do have an answer to it. And yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously uh, my perspective was that uh, if leadership focuses on people, people will take care of customers, customers will take care of the financial needs and it's not the other way around. Uh, but, I think your answer is fully aligned, totally aligned with it. Yeah. Well, I like your simple answer. 
leaders, people, people, customers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> Maybe just to close things out, no formal question, but if you have anything that's been on your mind lately that you think an HR leader should be um, aware of in, in whether it's in current events or maybe something that you've come across um, starting your new role, just maybe your final thoughts. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share a couple of things. Um, one is, you know, I'm in a new role, as you all know, at AIG. It's a fantastic organization undergoing the, one of the most significant transformations, I would say, of its kind, right? 100-year-old organization, and we know the history of AIG um, in the last 10 to 13 years with the financial crisis has been, there's been a significant focus and now we're preparing ourselves for the next 100 years. So it's a wonderful time for me to join the organization. I'm really, really happy to, to have a chance to impact the next 100 years, although I will not be there for 100 years. So that's, <laughs> um, I will be there for a while, but not 100 years. Uh, the one challenge I would say, as I found in starting a new job in this current environment, is it's really hard to onboard virtually in an organization. And it's um, harder than I anticipated because, to your point about culture, so many of the cultural nuances are difficult to pick up on WebEx calls. You start to get a feeling for it, but it takes a lot longer than a traditional office-based environment where, um, you know, you get a feel for the culture right from day one. So my one observation and word of advice for our HR leaders or other leaders on the call today or listening in is help people with the onboarding process. Whatever you can do to bring culture to life uh, will return tenfold because it helps leaders to accelerate their onboarding. The second thing I would just note as well is, you know, it's hard to believe that it was in March when we started worrying about COVID and we all thought it would be a couple of weeks and we'd be back at the office. And we are looking at, you know, as we're planning, um, you know, so this coming weekend, October 10th is World Suicide Prevention Day. And we're taking a lot, you know, very hard look at mental health at our organization and providing employees with the resources around mental health and emotional well-being, um, because we are looking at, you know, right around the corner, it's going to be a year, right, of the COVID anniversary for us in the United States, even earlier for China. And with all of that is this, you know, is keep an eye on mental well-being uh, of your people, right? So that's the second piece. But related to that is the return to the workplace. And some companies have started, uh, you know, slowly introducing a return to the workplace. Some companies are holding off. But what does the future of work look like? Real estate strategies, um, workforce strategies, skills that are going to be more in demand in the future as people are remotely working a lot, uh, a lot more than they have been is an element I would say for our HR colleagues to really get your arms around <clears throat> as well. So you can be helping to lead those conversations about the future of work in your organization. So those are, I guess it was three, I think I said two, but it ended up being three about onboarding, mental health and emotional well-being, as well as the future of work. Great. Early observation. Yeah. Great, great. I, I like that 100 year planning uh, comment that you made. <clears throat> it reminded me of uh, something heard, 
I, I heard, I've never met my grandfather, but my father told me that he used to say, and I'm sure that saying came from somewhere else in India, that uh, you live in this life as if you'll live forever. And you live in mm. this life as if you'll be gone tomorrow. And in either case, if you can figure out the balance, you'll be building bridges. There, I love that thing. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sony, for your time. <clears throat> really appreciate it. Good luck with your uh, 100-year planning. Uh, I'm Thank sure you. you'll, you'll have an amazing contribution. Thank you. I appreciate um, being invited to the table for the conversation. Thanks for entertaining my uh, analogies and participating in the conversation with me as well. <laughs> it, was, it was great, Sony. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. And that concludes our conversation with Sony Bossi. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And for additional content on business strategy, human capital management, and leadership, be sure to follow Bullseye Engagement on LinkedIn for weekly articles and insights from experts. Thanks for listening, and we hope to have you back for our next episode.